This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 419 of the Yellow Airpods. I'm your host, Stefan Wutzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's new record signing, Sebastian Allaire, joining from Ajax. It's not official yet, uh, but uh, it's unofficially official because he passes medical today. And more importantly, I think he also signed a contract, at, at least he did according to Ruhnachricht. And it's just not announced yet because Ajax, since they're also, I think... Uh, at the at the stock at the stock exchange, uh, they won it in the new business year. So exciting times, and uh, for that to discuss and many more things, uh, I'm joined by, as you can see on YouTube, uh, Matthias Zuk. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing okay. It's summertime, and uh, yeah, just enjoying life. How so, are you? So that means you only had to shovel like two inches of snow today, or <laughs> no, no, I only had to mow the lawn like three times oh. this week. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit annoying that uh, we miss ourselves, like, uh, for, for whatever circumstance. I think you were sick for a while, then, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I couldn't do last uh, Thursday, so I had to cancel on you. But now we're here, and uh, we have good news to discuss. I think, I don't know, a year ago, several years ago, I, I'm certain, but also a year ago when uh, uh, Alea was... Uh, uh, you know, still far away. Uh, I said that uh, you know my my dream replacement for Alea uh, for Haaland would be Alea, and now it's actually happening. So I personally am very elated. Uh, but before I go on a diatribe, I I want to hear your reaction <laughs> and and what you make of of uh, Dortmund shelling out about what was it thirty five mil. Million uh, 30, or so? 31 million. Yeah. Plus I don't know. bonuses. Plus, yeah, plus yeah. four bonuses. I don't know. Yeah. Um but I mean I it's think, a it's yeah. a good chunk of change. It is. Um I mean you're basically reinvesting almost half of of what you what you got uh for Holland. Yeah, well that uh, Holland money is already spent in Adimi and yeah, yeah, but either way, I mean, th there's profit there, there's money there for for Doba to do it. It's it's interesting because, well, first of all, it's a good signing. Okay, um, he's a proven goal scorer. He's done it for Ajax. Uh, he did it for Frankfurt. A little bit less so for West Ham, but <laughs> you know that's fine. It's West Ham. Um, but he's a proven goal scorer. He knows the Bundesliga. He speaks the language. Uh, he physically fits the same profile. He's big, he's strong. I'd say he's better in the air than Holland. Um and he's not slow. Now, he's not Holland fast, I don't think, but not very many players are of that size, but he's not slow. He's not a static, you know, big number 9 that can't move. He's good. He's uh, got great balance on and off the ball. I mean, a very, very good proven striker. And the interesting thing about it is he's a proven striker of age. You know, he's not... Now, Holland was a proven striker of 20. That's a little <laughs> different. But most 
you know, if you were looking at a 19 to 21 year old, which I'm still not ruling out, could also come. You could argue should also come. Um, he's proven. He's a proven commodity. It's low risk. He doesn't have a long history of injuries. Um, he's still in. He's still. He is in his prime. So with all of that, I don't think in the current climate, Dalton have overpaid for him at all. I think they paid fair market value for a proven striker in an overblown market. You could maybe say they underpaid, but he was coming from Ajax. So, you know, if he was still at West Ham, they probably would ask for significantly more money. Yeah. Um, Funny enough, though, he is the record signing three consecutive times now because he was the record yes. signing for West Ham, then he was the record signing for Ajax, and now he's the record signing for Dortmund. Correct, correct. And But unlike previous record signings, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this one's going to work. Um, also because you know what you're getting, you know what you're going to ask of him. He knows what's expected. And uh, like I said, he's been proving it for Ajax. He proved it for, for Eintracht Frankfurt. It's a great signing. I'm very, very happy. Also that we just replaced an H with an H. <laughs> Makes life a lot easier uh, in that sense. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play for Dortmund under Terzic in, a, in an aggressive style that I believe will suit him a lot. And so, no, it's a very good signing. Yeah, my my favorite part about this signing is probably the age too and the history actually that the that the West Ham transfer did not work out um, because that makes them maybe appreciate Dortmund as a club th where they both meet on eye level, let's say, mm -hmm. and not see it as a stepping stone. That yep. to me is very important because um, my my main. Uh, uh, apart from obviously all the goals he's probably going to score, uh, my main joy is really that I think the uh, the striker issue will be uh, just over with for at least three years. You know, he's uh, reported to sign a, a four-year contract. I was really hoping it was going to be five, but um, you know, it's to me that means we will probably not have a striker discussion at, at least a number one striker discussion for three years and it's worth a lot because uh, we obviously had this with Haaland uh, Alcasa did not stick around uh, we had you know the whole Aubameyang, Batshuayi etc so um, my hope really and obviously there are no guarantees in football so uh, my hope is that this works out just as we all expect and um, that uh, he just thrives in Dortmund and um, you know obviously uh, we have to view this deal in the context of Dortmund probably you know the ability to also sign Kalajic as an alternative and uh, I'm a little bit sad that uh, Lars isn't here today sadly he couldn't make it uh, because he is more in the Kalajic camp and I really would have loved his opinion on that um, but I, I think the, overall the profile really does fit, as we say, like Ash of Eimer. Uh You know, it's uh, like ass on bucket, I guess, would be the translation. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, he's a physical dude. And uh, that's that's great because Dortmund desperately needs a striker that can, uh, you know, handle the ball with the back to goal. And uh, he's a magnificent finisher. What I really love about uh, Alea's uh 
finishing in the box are the micro adjustments, if you will, that he just has a very quick reaction to the situation and uh, manages to have a very clean finish uh, because, as I say, he, he micro adjusts like in, in the glimpse, in the, in the moment of time. Um, he just has a very good reaction, very good uh, body control. And uh, yeah, that is uh, something I'm really excited about. And obviously we, we saw it when uh, he <laughs> marauded down with Ajax is that he just has a, he has a very sweet touch and he has not lost that since uh, he played for Frank Frankfurt. And uh, that's what I always appreciated him, that you can play him the ball in almost any situation and he will control it. And uh, now with the, uh, you know, teammates like Adeyemi, Royce, Marlin, or, or Reyna, or whoever around him. I am looking forward to a lot of good combination plays. Obviously, um, the main argument for Kalajic or Kalajic over Alea was that Kalajic is, is maybe even a little bit better in in the uh, passing play. Uh, but that being said, um, Alea uh, might not be a good as good of a finisher as Haaland, and he might also not be as good or as as quick as Haaland as you already pointed out, but I think he has a better touch when uh, being with the back to goal. Like Haaland yes. uh, will get there eventually because we just know the development trajectory he's on, but Alea at this moment in time is just better with the good old Ballbehandlung. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, with Haaland, he's going to get there. I, I was thinking about the uh, Zone podcast episode you recommended to me. Um, with, uh, you know, Julian where they, Brandt. they, Julian Brandt, where they interviewed him and he said, Haaland couldn't head the ball to save his life. I was better at it than he was. And then towards the end, obviously that was a little bit different. Um, you know, he, he significantly improved, but Haaland's history now, um, and, and we don't care about him. <laughs> so, so now we move on. Um, I will say Dortmund need a plan B with Alea because African Cup of Nations. Uh, I don't know when the next one is or timing-wise when it falls, uh, but historically it's usually January, February time frame, and it's like a really long tournament. I mean, just look at, you know, Liverpool, two of their three best players were always gone in that time with Mane and Salah. So Alea plays for Ivory Coast. So that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, for that. Uh, the other thing is timing wise, because he actually played for the Ivory Coast, delaying the official official until July is no big deal because he isn't set to join Dortmund even from international duty until like with the 8th or 9th of July. And so, yeah, it's no big deal. So yeah, the next uh, Africa Cup of Nations actually is in Ivory Coast. They're mm. the host nation, and it will happen between June 23rd to July 23rd. Okay, so they moved it. Uh, is it next year? Yeah, 2023. Ah, uh, okay. That So they moved it to the summer, probably because of that atrocity happening in Qatar yeah. in winter. Okay, well, then it's not a big deal. Well, for one season, but I... Yeah, I for one season, yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, but at general, least for next year. In, in general, you're obviously right. But, uh, you know, I think that Dortmund can replace him just by playing Malin and Adeyemi as a two-striker tandem. And, and you I, still have Mukoko. If if he sticks around, yeah. That's obviously also a point of discussion. But, um, yeah, I mean, Alea, last season for Ajax, I think... Uh, had about uh, one goal slash assist per minute. 
uh, per 90 not per minute. I was uh, per minute. Not per minute, per 90 minutes. <laughs> 30 millions of steel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and he had the same in his uh, final season with Frankfurt, and um, I think if he can get to that rate, uh, that would be awesome for Dortmund. Um, as as I said before, you know, meeting on eye level um, to me also means that he is maybe he's not going to be a world class striker. To me, he's an international class striker, and I think he fits really well. Uh, to Dortmund's size, let's say. I, I think it's it's a good fit in that regard. So I'm not expecting absolute gory numbers like we saw uh, from, say, Aubameyang or, or uh, Haaland, um, but uh, I just expect him to fit into the system, whatever that will be at the end of the day, because right now we have not really seen what Tessich's plans are um, that, that he, he fits together. But Dortmund said from the outset, and Sebastian Kehl said, Dortmund want a physical striker and uh, I think that's the profile and I, I think having him at the age of 28, you know, happy belated birthday since he only turned 28 yesterday, um, that's, yeah, we we have someone who hopefully instantly works and I think there is the next, you know, positive tidbit, even though it's not announced, the, the fact that this deal has been wrapped up now instead of uh, as late as last season with Daniel Marlin, uh, is just worth so much because the time that Dortmund gained with him on the training ground, I think he's supposed to join on like July 8th or 9th uh, mm-hmm. with the rest of international players. Um, yeah, it's going to help tremendously. It's going to be a short preseason as is. Everything is crammed and uh, right now and everything is, is just uh, yeah annoying uh, <laughs> if you look at the schedule, to be honest. So, um, yeah, every day really counts. And, uh, yeah, kudos to Sebastian Kiel for, for pulling it off. Because, like I said, when I was talking about my, my dream st- striker replacement and saying it was Alea, I never in a million years I would have believed that this could realistically be achieved, especially uh, after the Champions League outing he had. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. I think is that his, his first... Uh, was this his first uh, Champions League outing? It must have been, right? Because he did not play with West Ham or Frankfurt in the Champions League. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it should be theoretically. Yeah, he played in the in the Europa League with Frankfurt, where he had mm-hmm. ten games and and scored five goals, one assist in two thousand eighteen nineteen. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, other than that, I don't think he had a European outing. No, because. Uh, <laughs> Funny story, Ajax uh, failed to register him for their Europa League campaign uh, two seasons ago. So, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. But also everything you read and hear about Sebastian Alea is that he's a team player, that he has a really good work ethic because when uh, Ajax were playing in the Europa League and he uh, could make it because of that... Uh, uh, you know, error and formality. He was uh, in the training ground pushing weights and uh, keeping himself fit or or trying to improve. So um, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a great transfer. I I don't know what else to say. Uh, I really well, hope it works out. The the other advantage you have, given his age and experience, is you have his age and experience because he has such so many young players around him. That's one thing Holland couldn't give to the likes of Bellingham or in future Adeyemi or Gio Reyna in that sense of he's a veteran player and he will provide veteran leadership and guidance and experience. Holland obviously couldn't be that because he wasn't that. He, he play, he's got more mileage than, than a kid his age should have yeah. in Holland, which I think 
hurt him his last season at Dortmund. Uh, I think you saw you play that much that early. It's going to wear on your body. Um, So I think that's the other benefit that uh, Alea will bring to the young players that Dortmund have. Plus it raises that, that average age a little bit, which will shut some lazy pundits up who still even over the last few years, kept saying, don't when we're too young, we're too young. When you looked at their average age, it's like, you know. I mean, it's that's... a bit of an image that doesn't always hold up. I mean, Correct. Yeah, yeah, if you play with uh, Mokoko and Bino Gittens, maybe, and uh, have Giorena around, and maybe Bellingham, yeah, then you are maybe too young, and add Tom Rose and whatnot. But overall, there's a lot of experience in this team, and Dortmund are far from being the youngest team in the Bundesliga. I think those days are... Uh, over to be honest but yeah, they're balanced they're yeah. very well balanced now so um yeah i'm i'm going to ask you this now uh matthias uh why do you think uh dortmund picked alea and not kalajic it's a question i will probably have uh will level at last uh in in a week or two as well but uh you know it's <laughs> it's a question that needs to be asked and uh i have my answer i'm wondering what yours is well, the recent injury probably played into it. Um, that's a question mark. I think um, Kalajic would look at Dortmund as the next step to his next step. And like you'd mentioned, I think Dortmund aren't interested in that. They want somebody who lives in the moment uh, for the club, which I think Alea will do. Uh, Alea also being very professional, uh, more mature, I think helps. Um, and a longer proven track record, uh, you know, uh, given that Kalajic wouldn't be cheap either. I think that just all kind of leans more into the Alea camp. Yeah. I mean, I think Kalajic might've been gettable for what, 25 or so. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but my main argument actually would just be the efficiency in front of goal. And, uh, you know, a lot has been said about Dortmund's efficiency because uh, last season they were the most efficient team. I mean, they scored the most goals in club history. Um, but I, I think this is like the biggest difference between the two strikers. Um, you know, I think the statistics say that um, Kalajic is even better at linking up uh, with teammates, at, at dropping back and, and even at pressurizing opponents. Um, you know, when it comes to interceptions, uh, his stats look better. When it comes to pressuring opponents, his stats look better. Um, but uh, I think the the, the two biggest um, uh, stats that that make a difference to me at least is that uh, Alea is a much more clinical finisher. Obviously, these are things that come with age and experience, as you said. And the other notable thing is is that uh, Alea gets dispossessed far fewer times during a game. Um, even when Alea is under pressure, um, he does not lose the ball as often as Kalajic. And uh, Kalajic just, you know, is is a great player, but he also has uh, a lot of really weird touches every now and then. And uh, when you play for Stuttgart, maybe you don't notice this at mu- as much, but when you play for Dortmund, you, you do. And uh, I, I think Kalajic could have been also a very frustrating player at times. And I feel like, with Alea, Dortmund get a very solid baseline player who I think will always uh, be a very solid uh, player. Obviously, Haaland, uh, Haaland, Alea will not have as many touches. I don't think he will, uh, you know, drop himself as as much 
uh, into midfield. Uh, but uh, that sort of also depends on, on the playing style because he did that more with Frankfurt. I don't know much about West Ham, but he did it less at Ajax. So I think it uh, really depends on, on what Terzic is doing. And um, that is sort of my question to you because obviously at Frankfurt... Uh, he had great success uh, being part of the Büffelherde uh, at Ajax. He's playing uh, together also in a, in a sort of three-line attack. Uh, I think in, in West Ham he was a sole striker and that was apparently in part why it didn't work out so well. So um, Terzic's main system when he coached Dortmund for the first time was a 4-2-3-1. Um, now that Dortmund uh, did sign Adeyemi, um, do you think that we will see more of a two-striker attack? Mm. <laughs> ah, that's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> when Adeyemi was signed and and assuming there would be a replacement for Holland, it was like, all right, now now comes the Rosa 4-4-2 diamond. Right. Um, obviously, you know. Things have changed. <laughs> I think given the players that Dortmund have, uh, also with signing uh, Zaliochan, then you've got Modahut, you've got, um, uh, of course, Jude Bellingham, you've got Emre Can, you've got uh, a good Hunt. base, Brandt in Hazard. central midfield. You throw in the likes of Royce, Bino Gittens, Adeyemi, Malin. I mean... I wouldn't be shocked if it's a 4-3-3, um, given who Dortmund have in the side right now. Um, I think there will be a lot of fluidity um, in the system itself. I mean, it could be a 4-2-3-1 where that technically that one behind the striker actually shifts up more and it looks more like a 4-2-2. Yeah. Um, or 2-2-2. Two, two, two. I was forgetting a, a line there. And not playing strikerless. Um, so I, I think what this gives Dortmund is a lot of flexibility. I think he can work as a lone striker as long... It, a nominal lone striker if you have players around him that are running off of him, running with him. So you're playing a 4-3-3 where your, your two guys on the wings are a little more tucked in. So it's almost like three strikers in that sense, or a 4-2-3-1 where the person behind them is, uh, it's like a, what, what did Favre call them? Like a nine and a half or a false yeah. 10 or something like that. Um, so Marco Royce or Adeyemi uh, possibly sitting in there um, or Malin. I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of options now. I know. Yeah. I, I uh, just for shits and giggles, I, I was like on team builder or whatever it's called to like, try to pick my best 11 on the current Dortmund players, and it's really not that easy because you have to admit a lot of uh, attacking talent. You know, Julian Brandt did not make the cut. Uh, Daniel Malin was out. Azar was out um, because I think I, I had uh, Alea up top, and then I had Adeyemi on the right, and I had Royce in the middle, and I had Rainer uh, on, on the right uh, <laughs> in, in the 4-2-3-1. Obviously, you mm -hmm. have to jiggle that around a little bit because, uh, uh, yeah, Dortmund will be pretty wingless um but yeah i mean the the options right now are crazy especially if you play with all three center backs uh considering or assuming akanji will still leave you have a back three then you can play uh, guerrero and muni as wingbacks which uh, fit them a little better um i would always love a double pivot of uh, ashan and bellingham 
and uh, yeah then you have only two players <laughs> or, or three for uh, for the attacking department if you will so um yeah a lot of throw flexibility in, right yeah now. and you throw in modahut as like truly becoming that playmaker yeah. that pass giver out of a, a deeper central midfield position where he's not always asked to fulfill a holding midfield role but is more open in his passing, ability to move forward, kind of more in a Gunduan type role, yeah. which I think suits him better. I mean, look at, uh, say, high-profile games against Bayern Munich. Dortmund often like to play in a 4-3-3. And then you have a backline, say, of Guerrero, Meunier, uh, Schlotterbeck and Süle, which already is a good one. Then here of Özcan as the holding midfielder. A little bit deeper, and then in front of those two, you have Bellingham and, and uh, Dahoud, as you just said, just for the passing. And then you obviously need to play Alea because he's going to be very important in such games because he can hold up the ball. But then you would also have the very fast Adeyemi and then uh, you either put Royce there, you put Reyna there, you put Marlon there, whoever is on form and healthy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking this through and you have all of a sudden a very defensively solid system with a lot of uh, counter-attacking potential. You know, I, I think this would be a system in a, in a lineup that could fare really well against Bayern. Yes, yes. With with I, I mean, I still have fullback question marks. <laughs> Obviously. Um, you know, I think if we're looking at the team now, those are the two areas that Sebastian Kier and and his compatriots need to take a closer look at. But you can't do everything in one one window. Yeah. I um, mean, first we have to sell a couple of players before yes, people can yes. dream and think about David Raum. Yes, but. Schulz and Guerrero need to go to <laughs> to to make that uh, at all a possibility. Yeah, like I said, you know, with these fullbacks, it might be smarter to play with a, with a, you know three at the back, so they yep. can play wingbacks, so they have a little bit less, uh, you know, of defensive duties, especially with uh, Guerrero. You know, I think Meunier is a solid defender. He's fine. Yeah, but uh, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's if I would have to look at an area to replace, it would be left back more than right back, which is really weird saying that right now, <laughs> sitting here this summer. I mean, I personally uh, am very but, excited about the return of Moray. I think Moray is a really decent player. And I mean, before he got injured, he had a really great run. He was on a great trajectory. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he benched yep. Meunier because he was just a better player at that point. You know, obviously, uh, you know, without his injury, wouldn't we wouldn't have had the uh, great finale of Lukas Piszczek. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping and that that he can bounce back and throughout the season. And maybe we should address this right now: um, season goals and expectations. Because I said it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, people obviously can dream about titles and whatnot, but um, just because you made uh, five great transfers, you don't automatically become champion or anything. I personally think um, that this is a season of, of building chemistry. You know, if we have a title run at all, I expect it rather be the season after the season. So my expectations going into this season are not sky high to be honest even though uh, i think uh, <laughs> my dortmund timeline on twitter might look a little differently but i think um Terzic, the coaching staff and uh, all the new players after this big of a transition will need a lot of time to really 
figure stuff out. And maybe you win the first five games, but uh, as we saw in a Peter Bosch, that does not uh, mean <laughs> that you're just going to uh, steamroll everyone throughout the rest of the season. But it's going to be a process that's going to be uh, taking some some while. I mean, I don't know how Nico Schlotterbeck will adjust, uh, etc. All I know is that he's a great player and uh, in the coming years he will be uh, uh, dynamite for Dortmund. But I don't know if the, all this will happen right away. So, Matthias... Um, I thought to myself, if Dortmund finish in the top four, uh, have a Champions League round of 16, is it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it will be hard enough when you are drawn in pot three and uh, maybe a semi-final in the German Cup. To me, that would already uh, constitute a good season. So okay. I don't know how how you approach this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, goals and expectations are two different things. Um, I mean, there's nothing on my whiteboard right now, uh, <laughs> but professionally I have goals and I have expectations. And those are two different things. Expectations are usually set by, uh, professionally, you know, say clients, customers, whatever. And then I have my own goals what I want to achieve. And it'll be the same in, in a football club. You have your goals your expectations. This is what you at least have to achieve, but our goals are, are higher than that. Uh, if you don't set your goals higher than your expectations, you'll, you have a better chance of exceeding your expectations. If you set higher goals than what you expect, uh, psychologically. And so the goal I have for Dortmund this coming season is, uh, quarterfinals of the champions league. All right. Uh, winning the DFB Pokai. And giving Bayern a good run for their money. Those are the goals I have. Now, obviously, the hopes are you win everything. Right. Okay. Let's yeah. not talk about hopes. Uh, my expectations are reaching the final of the DFB Pokal. I expect that. And I think Dortmund should expect that. Um, it always depends on the draw, which is why I say semi final. True. But I'll be honest, I only see one team in Germany that's better than Dortmund. And that's Bayern. And I have question marks with Bayern. I'm not 100% sure how much better they actually are. Um, when it comes to the Bundesliga, the expectation is that you have to finish second. All right. That's you fair. Know, that's, that's an expectation there. Champions League. Hmm. <laughs> Coming in second in your group and advancing. That's, that's I think, the minimum expectation. Um, yeah. given how last season's cups went, um, which would then put you into the round of 16, correct? Mm -hmm. So in that case, you know, I think your my expectations and goals are, are lining up pretty I mean, closely. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, a Champions League semifinal would be amazing, but I I assume there will be some growing pains this season. Yeah, I don't expect semi-final for the Champions League because last time Dortmund was there, Jurgen Klopp was a manager. <laughs> um, so I don't expect that. Uh, the goal would be uh, a quarterfinal. Tezic has done that before. Yeah, and it was it was mighty close, to be honest. Yeah, and in harder, way more difficult circumstances, may I add. Um, yeah. And that's the other thing I think... Tezic has a certain grace period 
that other matches before him won't have for two reasons. Everybody loves the guy, okay? They already love him. Uh, he won the DFB Pokai. He, he managed to get into the Champions League. But the other grace period is it was a rough start when he took over and then a glorious finish. And I think that will buy him grace. Uh, whereas, obviously, Marco Rosa would have no grace. None whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you, If you would have brought in a Ten Hag or anybody like that, no. No, there would be no grace. They'd be like, you better win this shit now. <laughs> um, so, again, I think that's where the goals and expectations are. Improve over net last season. I think that's an absolute must, which obviously in the Bundesliga is a little hard because you finished second. Uh, well, but I think the improvement in the Bundesliga is concede less goals. Yeah, fewer. Uh, be more <laughs> aggressive. Be... I don't want to say more predictable, but more consistent in your performances. Uh, yeah. I think that was the thing. Like I was thinking about it mowing the lawn yesterday. <laughs> I was like, it's weird to think about Dortmund's season in review because you finished second with the most goals scored in club history, but it felt disappointing. And that's just a weird juxtaposition to be in. I think part of it is also because the the cup competitions were such a flop. Yeah. If those would have been better, I think we would have looked at the Bundesliga more positively. 100%. But because those were so bad, it 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 kind of highlighted the inconsistencies in the Bundesliga. Because I guess to, to Rose's credit and to Dortmund's credit, they won matches they probably could have, should have lost. Yeah. Uh, granted, they've also, they also lost a few or didn't get points in some where they should have gotten points. So, it, you know, it kind of balances out, but defensively, I think that's, that's the biggest problem. And I think that is an area that has been very clearly addressed. Yeah. So I still, far, I still am nervous about Guerrero. I'll be honest. We, we all are, but I mean, even he you can know. bounce back, you know, it's, it's, yeah. But I, I think, think his attitude think is what his attitude is. That is true, but I think having Guerrero as your left back is not the worst thing in the world. Either. No, like, we always no, sound like, not. oh god, you know, uh, everything rises and falls with Guerrero, but um, it's it's not entirely that. You know, he can also win yeah. us games. It's not like I, uh, he's completely <laughs> useless. Let's put it to you this way: if Guerrero does a Guerrero thing, which will always happen in every game, that's just he's not going to change. He is who he is. Um, having an exposed Zula or an exposed Schlotterbeck is not as problematic as an exposed Hummels simply based on speed. Right. Because we saw it when Akanji was exposed by bad fullback play. He could make up for a lot simply because he's so damn fast and he's good at tackling. Um, but I want to see way less last-ditch tackles. Yeah, I, I that that's something that needs to be taken out of Dortmund's repertoire. Also, because and I know you dog on an Emre Can, but there were plenty of times where he saved Dortmund's bacon by making a last ditch that's tackle true. after the team being exposed in the back line. If you eliminate those, you'll eliminate penalties, you'll eliminate mistakes, you'll eliminate like hectic clearances. So you put all that in, that ties back into what I believe the goals and expectations are. Yeah. Better than last season. And in the Bundesliga, that means more consistency, better defense. If you drop off a little bit in goals, that's fine. If your defense is solid and you're getting the points, you should. 
Yeah, well, that's why I just put uh, the uh, let's be louder than ever quote from Terzic on the screen because uh, when I talked about go season goals, I just listed where Dortmund should finish for me to not be entirely disappointed. But obviously there are more uh, things that you can expect. And I think one my, my main goal really or expectation is team cohesion and club mm -hmm. cohesion. So, and I think... Tessic is just a perfect guy for this because he will act as glue between the team and the fans like we've not had in a very long time. Actually, like we've not had since Tessic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, last yeah. time it happened, uh, there were no fans in the stands. And I think this time it will be different and it, I hope also will be better. But um, I think this is a, is a point that we've been uh, missing for a very long time. Um, you know, first of all, tactical cohesion. I think the positional play needs to improve, uh, in in the sense that um, there just cannot be these wide ass gaps between everyone on the field. Yeah. You know, when every player needs to be on the same page, and I feel like this is something that uh, several coaches have failed to implement, and it's going to be a huge task for Tessic or anybody because um. You know, it's one of the hardest things to do to pull off a consistently good position and play, no matter what the situation is uh, in in football. But also, I just want um, a positive vibe between the fans and and the team throughout the season. And as I said, there will be growing pains. I'm sure of it. Maybe I'm wrong, and Dortmund will just uh, run through everything. But uh, it's it's not entirely likely. So, Matthias, my assumption is. Um, uh, that you will have to moderate a lot too, and I think Tessic uh, will this will do this relatively well. And um, you know, as for the on the pitch stuff, and uh, I I think uh, uh, where is it? <laughs> we have so many things to There's discuss. So many. <laughs> uh, uh, is it here? Yeah, we actually, respect privacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, so. Um, Obviously, uh, is that Dortmund did sign Peter Hermann, and um, I think that's a massive coup for him, uh, or, or for, <laughs> not only for him, also for Dortmund. Um, Watzke explained, I think, in the official statement that um, it was Terzic's wish, explicit wish, to have a more experienced guy on the sideline. Hermann just uh, got promoted with Schalke as the uh, interim assistant coach, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, he has been a part of the Bundesliga for so many years now. He's been part of uh, the German coaching staff and whatnot. Um, I think this is a very sensible uh, move. What What is your, uh, you know, idea of uh, Peter Hermann joining Sebastian Gebhardt and uh, Terzic? So, just so people know, yeah, okay, he was at Schalke. Who cares? Um that surge that brought Schalke back to the Bundesliga because under Kamotsis they were faltering. Mike Buskins took over because you couldn't find anybody else to take over that poison chalice. That surge, a lot of it is down to Peter Hamann um, because of his tactical understanding and understanding how teams work and so on. And that helped propel Schalke up the table. Now, they were obviously also helped by the fact that, like, St. Pauli and Hamburg do Hamburg things, and, you know, things kind of fell apart for some teams. But they really took hold of things there uh, towards the end uh, and and earned their promotion as much as 
That makes me want to vomit. <laughs> um, but Peter Hammond was very important to that. He was very important to Yopankis, uh in that, like, just... The treble winning season, yeah. The treble winning season. Made him a condition, you know. I yes. think it was a record signing for an assistant coach because he was at Fortuna Düsseldorf at the time. Mm-hmm. And then Bayern had, Bayern had to sign him from Düsseldorf because that was the only way that... Uh, Heinkes would take over from who was it then? Was it Ancelotti? I I forgot. No, no, this was this was. Um, no, it was, uh, was uh, it gosh, Van Dutchman Van Gaal. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. this was after Louis. After Louis, um, and and obviously that first post Louis Van Gaal season, Bayern finished second in everything. <laughs> you know, the ultimate Vizekusen season, you know, second yeah. of the Bundesliga to Dortmund, lost a Champions League final they should have won at home, and then obviously got destroyed in the DFB Pokal final by Dortmund. And then the next season, they won those three competitions. Um, How annoying. So, so Peter Hermann, a very good signing, I think. it, And the fact that Edin Terzic said, I, I want an experienced, proven, winning assistant coach not just an experienced assistant coach i mean you can find those um but someone who knows what winning looks like from I mean, that he position he's been at the top level for pretty much yes. all of his career and it, it speaks highly of intezic you know there's always one of the big things you have to deal with in all walks of life is people who know what they don't know And Tezic knows what he doesn't know. He knows he has growing to do. He knows he ha- he's lacking experience. And these types of assistants will help him. The worst thing you can have is have someone who doesn't know what they don't know. And you see that all the time in all walks of life. Um, and uh, I'm thinking, I don't know why, but Alan Pardew just pops into my head whenever <laughs> I think of that. But this is very good. This is a very cohesive team um, from from top to bottom at this point. And what Tezic does, and you mentioned it, it gives an identifikationsfigur, a little, little German there. So, uh, you know, someone who's identifies with the club that Jürgen Klopp bought in immediately. That after Klopp left... Nobody did, except obviously Terzic, because he's from the Sauerland. He is a local. He cared. This is his club. Um, you know, Bosch didn't do that. Obviously, Stöger didn't do that. Uh, nice guys, but they didn't like click and they couldn't. It was too short. Lucien Favre has never really been that uh, since leaving FC Zürich. Um, but even there, he was... Not super tight because it's not his part of correspondence. He's, he is speaking. He is, well, no, I mean, I'm a Grasshoppers fan, but still, <laughs> he's not from that part of Switzerland. So there's there is just a, a cultural barrier in there, um, and obviously, Marco Rosa was never going to be that simply because his family was in Leipzig and he traveled there all the time. He didn't want to set up roots anywhere he's been. 
And Tazich, these are his roots. This is where he's from. So I think that with people like, uh, you know, a club legend like Sebastian Kier, which was the perfect person to replace the ultimate club legend in Michael Zorc. And then people like Raubal and Watzke, who are from here. This is their club. It matters. Even Matthias Sama has so, so many ties to Dortmund. Everyone actually cares. And I think that is one of the key things that I think the international BFLB Twitterverse oftentimes forgets that everybody in this club, in the front office, uh, to scouting, to now also on the bench, gives a shit, like really cares about this club. And that is a very unique proposition that you find, granted, it's not that unique in Germany. You find that in a lot of German clubs, but outside of Germany, it's a little bit rare. Um, whereas in Germany, I mean, you can't tell that, you know, Bayern, even most of the people who are in the front office, they're Bayern people. They've been Bayern people for decades. So uh, don't want now really have that also on the bench. And I think that's a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Peter Hermann, just the day to day business for him, you yes. know, just, uh, you know, planning the, the, the training and, uh, you know, the exit situation of uh, what needs to be trained uh, and, and where to prioritize uh, the, the, the effort, so to speak, and, and how to manage players uh, on a day-to-day -day business. I think there are, there are few guys, a few assistant coaches that can do a better job than him. Agreed. So uh, in that regard, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the signing. And then obviously um, another move has been made. Uh, <laughs> Shad Forsyth <laughs> Shad. has uh, joined Dortmund <laughs> as a new head of performance. Um, he was uh, with, uh, the obviously, the DFB beforehand. He was uh, part of the coaching staff that uh, uh, won the World Cup in 2014. And uh, since then, I think he was um, uh, doing this at... at uh, Arsenal, but uh, yeah, I mean, he is, uh, I don't know, Corifee, Guru, whatever the words are, but uh, at least he's highly regarded in in this field of, uh, uh, what do you call it, athletics, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's kinetics. I mean, it's that whole yeah. Yeah, uh, field it's, of performance it's, it's, it's and fitness. A huge range. But probably the biggest change um, that was introduced to German football by Jürgen Klinsmann. Yeah. Um, and ahead of 2006. And obviously, this is an area that Dortmund need to improve. Yeah. Um, when it comes to fitness and fitness management. I'm going to forgive him his his Arsenal blight <laughs> at this time. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, Wait, but more importantly, but, I think it speaks to the fact that Dortmund are n not walking around with their eyes closed. but Correct. They know what the problems changes. are. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, they signed two center backs and they signed one of the most highly regarded fitness, performance, kinetics people in the sport, they obviously realized where the problems were. Yeah. Um, and and I still maintain that they weren't planning on getting rid of Rosa. Um, but all the other signings that they brought in address those issues. Same with Alea, uh, Zaliochan. I mean, it's every... Per there's no there's no Schule or Yamolenko, even though I love Yamolenko. <laughs> um, it's hard not to, but this isn't, 
these were all highly calculated decisions. Adiemi will have to wait and see. Uh, that may be one of those get them before somebody else gets him kind of a thing. But there's a ton of upside with the kid, so I, I think it's a calculated risk. But these are all very professional moves that I'm very excited about. Yeah, I agree. Like it's it's not only that Dortmund have a big transition on the field; it's also the off field. You know, the the, the staff uh, behind the team that is going through changes. I think they've also um, added uh, two other fitness coaches, one from Bochum also, but uh, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. But you just see that there is a lot of turmoil and that Sebastian Kehl has been a very busy man recently. So Yeah, um, the turnover has been yeah. there and needed. Yeah. So um, obviously, um, you know, it's... It's a very interesting time, and I am already very excited about next season. You know, after as as this season ended and it sort of petered out, we were like, okay, whatever, uh, let's just get this over with. And then I need a mental break from anything black and yellow. But now I'm 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 feeling it. I feel the excitement. I don't know about you, um, but uh, yeah, if you have to assess Sebastian Kiel's first months, uh, or, or you know, it's obviously a transitional period, but um, you, you know. I personally was very skeptical at first having him take over from Michel Zoch because it is a very daunting job and obviously it is far too early to really pass any judgment because, uh, you know, uh, on paper everything looks nice, but how it all pans out, uh, only hindsight will tell. <laughs> Not foresight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my, my question to you, Matthias, though, however, is, um, you know, considering that Dortmund have, have groomed him uh, for quite some time now, um, how do you think he has uh, fared so far? Okay, so this is this is very difficult for me <laughs> because we all know that uh, I'm a big Zuzi Talk fan. Always will be. I think he's the greatest Dortmund club person ever. Yeah. Uh, from start to finish, he's a Dortmunder Jung, and Michael Talk. I kind of, to, to, to juxtapose this a little bit. So Michael Zorg took over um, from Michael Meyer. And, <laughs> and we all know the Michael Meyer legacy. Um, and not just Michael Meyer, but, but also who was running the club ahead of him at that time. You know, the legacy was the near total dissolution of the club in 2005. So Michael Zorg had no on-the-job training. And there was no grooming. It was like he retired and it was like, here you go. You're the manager, as it was called, the sporting director. And Dortmund won a, won a title and then almost went out of business and had to completely rebuild through massive difficulty. And then they all had the lucky foresight to be like, this Jürgen Klopp guy could be good. And it worked out. Okay. Um, the... The difference then to, to Sebastian Kiel and Michael Zorc, you know, he grew up a Straßenkicker from Dortmund, you know, um, whereas Sebastian Kiel was always a very cerebral player, very intelligent. He also went th through the tumultuous years at Dortmund. Can't yeah. forget, he won he a title in, in his first it. season. He won a title in his first season at Dortmund in 2002. Um, so he went through the highs and the lows and the highs again. I with mean, Dortmund. he was in the middle of the tug of war between yes. Dortmund and Bayern when he was playing for Freiburg. You know, it exactly. was uh, one of uh, many transfers where Dortmund were very proud that they could sign a player that uh, Bayern also wanted. Yes, yes, and he, 
he, you know, that whole time he, you know, he got his habitua, he studied at university, um, very intelligent when you, when you hear him speak, when you see interviews, he's an intelligent guy. And then on the job training, knowing he was going to take over or hoping he was going to take over. I don't think it was guaranteed when they brought him in. So let's see how this goes, but it could work. And I think there's a lot of guidance there from Matias Sama. I, I'm sure there was guidance from Michael Zwak. Yeah, obviously. I'm sure there will still be guidance from Michael Zwak. 100%. It's not like he's just going to, poof, gone. You know, the greatest Dortmund club legend ever, just poof, gone. No. I mean, Zama came back. I think Zwak will always be there. Um, and, and obviously, you have Frauba and Watzke and, and all these people who've gone through all the shit with Dortmund over the last 20 years. Um because, you know, uh, it's been 20 years since that 2002 title win, which just makes me feel so old. Um, so bearing all of that in mind, it's very positive. Knowing that Sebastian Kier is not making these decisions all on his own. This is a decision by group, uh, by a very experienced group. And I think he's getting, he will be getting more and more involved and more and more, uh, let's say, okay, this is on you now. You make this call. Uh, you've heard our opinions. You make this call. Because I think a lot of people who've come to German football from English football, they still have this weird mentality of that the guy on the sideline makes all the decisions. And German football has, hasn't been that way since the 70s. Um, I mean, we've always had the sporting director and then the president of the club and then the head coach. That's why in Germany it's called a head coach. Uh, and so I think Sebastian Kiel so far, it looks good. Proof yeah. is in the pudding. Um, I think the dynamic between him and Tezic is very good. It's already, they already proved it. They get along. I think the dynamic between him and Watzke and Zama, and also to a degree Rauba, who's still there, uh, and Soak, who will still be there, I think is very, very positive. So, so far, so good. I'm not going to give him like a letter grade or anything like that at this point. We'll do that after next season. Um, but I'm very optimistic by what is happening. Yeah, so am I. And I think um, it, it's good to know that so far the transition seems to be working out. because Smoothly. Yeah, very smoothly. And uh, obviously um, being the sporting director of Dortmund now is entirely different than was uh, 15 years ago or whenever. Um, because now Dortmund are the club with the second most resources in Germany. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of nice for Kiel that um, he gets to rebuild so much, <laughs> um, if, if you will, um, be, because that way he can also mold this team more to what, what his imaginations are. And, uh, and you can't screw it up. No, you know, obviously. I mean, you can, you're not screwing up something that was winning all the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, so let's talk about uh, a couple of things real quick uh, of the work he has done. Uh, mm -hmm. Because we talked about Sally Ochan at the Marco Rosa Out Emergency Podcast, <laughs> uh, but I don't think it was official then. So um, here it is. Uh, 
BVB sign Zaliochan. Uh, I think they triggered a release clause for about 5 million uh, contract till 2026. Um, Oshan, obviously, uh, 24 years old, uh, came from Cologne and, uh, you know, was struggling at Cologne for most of his time at Cologne and he is a very culture young. Um, but last season under uh, Breitenreiter, um, is this the right name? What's his name? Yeah. Stefan Baumgart. Baumgart, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Wait like, a no, second. No, <laughs> no. A lot of people would struggle struggle under Breitenreiter. Yeah, no. Uh, Baumgart. Yeah, no, under Baumgart, he uh, became the player that Dortmund now hope to have in their own team, which is a very aggressive uh I think he's a bit between number six and number eight. I think they wanted a true number six and hope to transform him a little bit more. But uh, having an aggressive ball winner that is uh, very intelligent. So I don't know if you want to liken him to Sebastian Kier. I don't think he's on that level quite yet no. or Sven Bender. But Mm-mm. at least he, from from the profile, it's adjacent, let's say. I mean, he's almost a head shorter. Just look at that picture. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sebastian Kier is a big dude. Yeah. Uh, Money Benda is a big dude. Yes. Um, Ochan isn't a big dude. Um, but he is, like, we always use those terms like a German Terrier. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of who he is. And the good thing is, coming to Dortmund, knowing what Terzic wants to do, Knowing also what Marco Rosa was planning on doing, which isn't dissimilar to what Terzic wants to do as far as aggression goes, coming from Stefan Baumgart, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, I, you want to I talk about someone who symbolizes pressing in the Bundesliga right now, it's Stefan Baumgart. Yeah. I think he's going to be a key signing for us because yes. Dortmund does does not right now or before that had this type of pre- player profile. And uh, I don't know how good he will be because it's still quite a massive step also in a very short period of time because even at Cologne he was struggling for for a while um but that being said I think um Ashan is just a guy that uh, every Dortmund fan loves because as you said he gets stuck in I think uh you know as we also say in Germany the vacuum cleaner <laughs> the guy who who regains pos- possession and and just uh, you know just closes gaps very important you know when I talked about team cohesion uh, Ashan is the sort of player I, I think about. Um, so, yeah, and obviously, uh, I, I assume he will play a lot of minutes in the heart of Dortmund's midfield. Uh, there are obviously I, different combinations with Emre Can, with mm-hmm. Dahoud and so on. Um, but uh, it would not surprise me if he becomes an instant starter. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I know you want that because you hate Emre Can. <laughs> Um, I don't see him becoming an instant starter. I think um, that's going to be Emre Can because Emre Can will be able to actually play his main position. Yeah. uh, Which for the last two seasons, he was able to do sparingly at most, uh, especially last season. I mean, the amount of times Emre Can started in midfield versus in the back line, I think I can count that on one hand. Um, so I think you've got that rotation between the two of them. I think Zali Ochan, I don't think, I know Zali Ochan is a little bit less hot-headed than Emre Can. Um, so probably make a few less of those, let's call them aggression mistakes that are a little bit boneheaded. But they're built. But they're built on aggression and not malice and stupidity. It's just over exuberance. Um, I think he's a little bit less that. 
and so they'll they'll I, I think they'll swap duty, and I think that's perfect. That's exactly what both yeah. those players need. That's I mean, exactly what Emma John needs, especially on that yes. position. Yes, and John needs it because he was asked to do too much too often, and uh, you know, and and his tires are getting worn too. So I think this this benefits him, and can't forget, John is more money. You know, he was the bigger financial investment. Also, when it comes to his contract, guarantee you he makes a lot more than uh, Zalia Chan. So they're not going to relegate him to the bench yet. Um, I think what you're looking at here is if John doesn't improve his consistency, then there's not going to be an extended contract for him because they have the guy in Zalia Chan. I think that is the calculated move here that I fully support. And it made, and Emma John is a workhorse. You know, he doesn't have a bad attitude. He doesn't, you know, he, he works hard also on the training pitch. I think this is something that could maybe even drive him to become a better player. Yeah, no, I I agree with with all your assessment. I obviously, hopefully Emma John works out because we do spend a lot of money on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I have, my question mark behind that. So uh, next subject real quick. Uh, Stefan Tickers obviously leaving Dortmund. Uh, I think it was like a transfer fee of two or three million um, to Cologne. So uh, I think uh, Baumgart wanted to, uh, to have him already last season. I think he revealed that when... Uh, in a press Dor- conference. Yeah, in the press conference, exactly. <laughs> yep. um, so obviously Stefan Tickers, uh, uh, you know... Uh, under 23 striker. <laughs> I remember when he was subbed in uh, for Haaland at the Bayern game, and uh, Dortmund's uh, comeback in that game was practically over. Um, yeah, what what can you say? I mean, it's a, it's a great transfer for him, obviously, because yeah, uh, it he shows, stays in the Bundesliga. Yeah, he, he stays in the Bundesliga, and I think Cologne will, uh, you know, give him regular playing time, seeing that Modesto's not getting any younger, and they have Conference League to play. Um, so yeah, I I think this uh, this is a very decent transfer for them, and uh, I'm excited to see where his development will go. Um, and I also think it's a very good uh, advert for Dortmund's under 23, since they're Dritte Liga club, basically, if you will. Um, and and being able to to uh, promote someone like this uh, first, uh, having Bundesliga minutes and goals. For Borussia Dortmund, uh, the first team, and and then uh, you know, sort of piggybacking off that uh, to make a permanent move to the Bundesliga, I think uh, that can only help Dortmund's recruitment for the under twenty three, which is not unimportant. So um, that's Correct. pretty much all I have to say on this subject. I wish him the best of luck. I think he's going to be a rotational option at Köln. I maintain my opinion; he's a zweite Bundesliga striker. Yeah, at most. So uh, speaking of the under twenty three. <laughs> Uh, Enrico Maaßen uh, has uh, left Dortmund for Augsburg. Uh, obviously, a very highly touted and highly regarded uh, coach uh, from the under-23. Um, what do you make of, of this move? Well, at least he didn't go to England. I mean, that's where <laughs> under-23 coaches for Dortmund tend to go. Uh, if you just look at Daniel Farke. Um No, I mean... Under 23s, I do look at lower leagues in Germany. He did a decent job. Um, I personally maintain that Bundesliga second teams shouldn't be allowed to play in the Dritte Liga or Regionalliga. It's just my personal opinion. Um, I think they, they should they just have their own reserve league. I agree. I think they eat up spots and honestly money from clubs that actually need it. Um, but yeah, good luck, man. 
I, I don't really have an opinion on this. Uh, I wish him the best of luck-ish for Augsburg. I think Augsburg, <laughs> to me, Augsburg's like a totally bland club. Yeah, he can get uh, really like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Augsburg for me are the for, in the Bundesliga what Sandhausen are in the Zweite Bundesliga. I always forget Sandhausen are in the Zweite Bundesliga. <laughs> and Augsburg, I only remember it when they play against Dortmund and make life miserable for Dortmund. I hope Enrico Maaßen makes Augsburg more interesting to watch because over the last X number of years, I've just hated their brand of football completely. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't like that. I, I, they're I, still I, not interesting. Let's no, be real. no, it's still the, the most interesting thing about them is that a Dortmund club legend is still there in Stefan Reuter. That is like the most interesting thing about Augsburg. Yeah. And, and the fact, that is... and the fact that one of the major sponsors and that helped Augsburg get into the Bundesliga is from my family's hometown in Germany, the small town of Tasta. Yeah. And he is the owner of Taco. So, I mean, that's like odd little trivia right in there. But uh, other than that, yeah, I have... Augsburg also, l- funnily enough, have some Philly ties because Josh Harris, the uh, one of the co-owners of the Philadelphia 76ers, among a million other uh, teams, yeah. also has a stake, something in, in Augsburg. So he's yeah, I, uh, invested there too. It's I don't have neat. an opinion. I don't yeah. have an opinion on this. I just don't care. All right, so I'll be honest, I just don't care. So let's just move on because uh, Leon Simic uh, received a professional contract uh, under 19 player, very um, exciting talent. Um, as you, when you scroll down, you will see that uh, he's a right back and he's a very speedy right back. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have the, the, the biggest opinion on, on that transfer either, other than, or well, it's not really a transfer, but the signing. Signing. You know, obviously. Potential. Obviously, it's nice to see that the pipeline is still there and that, uh, you know, many players, you know, Tom Rote made his debut, no, no, Simic, I, I think we'll get some playing time here and there. Um, I don't think we'll see too much of him in, in the first team, but uh, you never know how it goes with injuries. Um, there's some promise there. I don't know if he's going to be Dortmund, uh, uh, you know, great of a player. You know, it's huge. It's a massive step. But uh, nevertheless, I think it's it's good news that Dortmund manages to to retain these talents, and uh, hopefully, we'll see more of him. Uh, obviously, he will be uh, again with Dortmund uh, in in the preseason and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that's about as quickly discussed as uh, Dortmund signing Jaden Braff, uh, who cool. Yeah, a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I have no opinion. I'd yeah, no, obviously, but uh, my. I, I just, I'm just going over it because yeah. uh, you know, in in two three years, this might become very re- relevant. Just like uh, Dortmund signing Bino Gittens, maybe this season or next season. Uh, well, Dortmund still have a few Ajax and PSG seventeen year olds that you know eh, they got signed, and one of them's been injured the whole time. And it's like, okay, we haven't heard much from the other ones. I mean, all that being said, Dortmund's under-19s have, were, have been on a tear the last few years yeah. uh, in, in Germany. So, yeah, he'll no, play there. I, I just I just wanted to to rattle things off because, you know, a lot of, sh- a lot of stuff has happened since uh, we've been, <laughs> uh, since our last episode. Basically, that's uh, what I wanted to sort of end on, unless you have anything else to say. Um, you know, um, you know, Marco Reus injury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the one thing it's like, I, 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 
So I don't care about the Nations League. Granted, the day Dalton, uh, I said Germany won 5 2 against Italy and England lost 4 0 to Hungary. It was kind of cool. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but of course, Michael Royce had to get injured with a long term injury. But don't want to have the depth to absorb that and move on. But of course, it's just, it's frustrating because for the last two seasons, Royce has been relatively injury free, relatively. And so this was just one of those things like, oh God, in a meaningless tournament, did this yeah. have to happen? Yeah, him and the, the German national team is just, it's not it's a, a curse. It's, it's a, yeah, it is a curse. It's really. Not a not a lucky streak, but uh, no. I mean, think about it. The only tournament he was able to really show up in was 2018. The yeah, tournament that we was all want to forget itself. itself yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 problematic because um. I mean, he he did skip the Euros on purpose just uh, because to to retain fitness for the club, and I think it was a super smart decision. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I think last season he played 40 games for Dortmund and had about 29 score points or so. So still an impressive haul for Royce, and uh, I really hope uh, that that uh, this season he can continue there. But uh, yeah, it's not off to a great start. And uh, no. for the next episode, I think we should discuss, um, you know, his uh, say possible contract extension or or non extension or whatever, because he is on a contract year now. We must not forget that. So, um, yeah, there's still lots of Dortmund things to discuss uh, throughout this season and uh, this preseason, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a very annoying injury. So the Ruhnachrichten, I think, yesterday had a report on it that he is uh, recovering well and that he's expected to uh, re-enter tre- team training about in, in a week or two as well. So he's not lagging behind all that far. Um, but nevertheless, obviously, um, it's it's far from ideal. Correct. Because you also just feel like he is not getting the recuperation that he needs. I don't know. I don't know. I we'll just see. think overall, uh, wasn't it Flick himself who said that the Nations League was pretty fucking dumb? Yeah. Along those lines, yeah. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but a little bit. He said it was a, a waste bit. of time or... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a money grab, which we all know it is. Yeah. And just move on from there. Yeah, it's it's really annoying uh, to be honest because uh, you know look at the squad that Dortmund will have and the excitement we will have and how many more injuries will we have to deal with? How many times will the uh, you know the number one eleven or whatever actually be playing together? Will players actually have time to gel? You know, will everyone be fit? Uh, these are all question marks right now, uh, just because of the the load and the strain of these on on these players. You know the. Yeah. You know, talk about growing pains. Do you even know if players will be able to retain any sort of consistent form considering the million games they will have to play? It's just insane. So, yeah, um, especially like Gio Reyna, who just had a cursed season. And, yeah. you know, came back, bam, injured again. So there, there are some question marks there, but Dortmund's depth now in those positions... Is very good, um, and and hopefully the changes made to the fitness team will prove itself out. Yeah, but uh, that all being said, it's it's still going to be a tough season in that regard. But Matthias, yeah, that was a very fun discussion. Um, yes. I'm excited about Alea and excited about the season in general. I'm excited about to talk about it more in the coming weeks. So um, yeah, please tell our listeners where to find you on the internet. 
And we um, shake it out of you. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Matthiasuk. Very nice. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wallpot. No, I'm not. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, there it is. You're right. Where am I pointing? Down there. Down there. It's down there somewhere. Yeah. Just, just, just go on YouTube. <laughs> if you're on YouTube. Yeah. If you're listening to this on a podcast, this did not make sense. No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for our listeners there, please follow us on uh, all our channels. Just go to linktree.com or whatever it's called, slash the yellow wall, and you find all the links. Um, in the meantime, though, um, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening, and we shall be back either next week or in a fortnight. Uh, until then, uh, goodbye.